Well, good evening, BASIC. Thanks for having me out tonight. I want to bring greetings from my hometown, Pella, Iowa. So I got a little, I got a little picture here of my fam um, in their Dutch costumes. You can see I'm the only one not yet costumed. Apparently that's coming and then we'll be all in. Uh, if you're from Pella or want a, a taste of Dutch hospitality, I may or may not have brought multiple bags of cherry nuggets from the bakery. So meet me in the hallway afterwards. Um, I also bring greetings from Inner Varsity Christian Fellowship and our national movement. Uh, so Inner Varsity is on multiple campuses across the U.S. You guys are a part of a student movement that is not just national, but I also bring greetings from your international student movement family. And you might not know, but you're actually connected to a half a million student movement around the world, 160 countries, and you're a part of that. So there's people from 160 countries meeting like you are, worshiping God and opening up the scriptures together and being faithful witnesses on campus. And so I just bring greetings from students around the world to you all. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, and thank you for taking Jesus seriously in his word. I, I love this series you guys are in and the Sermon on the, on the Mount. I, I was listening to some of the talks from the last weeks and y'all, it's been intense, hasn't it? I mean, I think I cried for the first 15 minutes of Pastor Ryan's, right? Uh, it's been really intense, but I wanna commend you for taking God's word seriously. Um, I know that's not easy to do to be serious people about the word, but I just wanna commend you. It's a great way to start the semester. Um, and I get to continue, and we're talking about money tonight. Um, and all right, so I, I have to say, okay, I was prepping this talk at home, and so I had like my manuscript out with my text, and I had my Bible dictionaries and commentaries open, and I'm studying, and, and my eyes, um, look up for a minute, and I see on my living room wall, I have a picture of this collage of art. Um, so we don't actually have real art in my house. We have pictures my kids made and a roll of painter's tape. Um, so this is a common scene, but if you go to the next slide, you can see I zoomed in, and one of these pictures, I don't know if you can see here, my son wrote, money makes me happy. Uh, so I had two thoughts. I thought, A, we need to get some better art in our house. Uh, and B, apparently the Lord has a word for me and my family to disciple us around this topic. So the irony, money makes, and there's some kind of shady exchange happening there. I don't know what's going on. Um, but so, knowing that I am needing this word as much as you are tonight, let's open our Bibles and go to our text. So we are in Matthew 6, and we are starting at verse 19. And, you know, we're just doing five short verses, but there's a ton in this short passage. So um, we're going to open up there, and I'm going to read from God's Word. And once you find the page, would you actually stand? I love to read the word standing. Would you stand with me? Um, and we stand, in many traditions, we stand at the reading of God's Word because it's kind of like um, at a formal occasion, when the honored guest comes in, the crowd stands, right? And the word is our honored guest tonight, right? And so we honor the word as we stand. So listen to the word of God from Matthew chapter 6. I'm reading from the NIV. So scripture says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And as you stay standing, let me pray. And God, we do ask that you would um, be the guest of honor tonight, alive in your word, that you would teach us and give us soft hearts, that you would shape us to be more like you. So we bring ourselves as an offering and invite you to meet us here in a powerful way. Amen. You can be seated. So this section of the Sermon on the Mount, it really holds together a series of texts, including what Andrea's going to teach out of in two weeks after the love does dinner. And that's the kind of classic text about don't worry, right? But these two passages actually hold together, and they are addressing kind of the question about where we get our sense of security and in whom or in what we place our trust. So I don't know, as you heard what the topic was tonight or thought about it, I'm not sure how much you naturally resonated thinking about the topic of money or possessions. Um, A lot of times I find as I work with students over the year and I thought about my own experience as a student that I was like, well, I don't know, I don't think I have that many issues with money because I don't have that much money right now, right? Some of us maybe feeling some of that. Uh, And I didn't think as a student that I really had that many issues either. And in fact, so I became a Christian, started following Jesus as a freshman, um, and I remember kind of learning a little bit about money, and I remember having what I thought was like a really holy spiritual prayer moment with Jesus, where I was like, Lord, I don't need a lot of money, like, I don't need to be rich, I just, I just want enough to not have to worry about it. And I remember really thinking like, yeah, that's pretty mature, yeah, I felt pretty good about that prayer. And in hindsight, I'm like oh man, that was kind of messed up, right? That, that was actually not a particularly healthy prayer. And, and as I thought about it, I was like, where is that coming from? And you know, my own story, um, I grew up in a home where most of my early life, I really, I didn't want for anything. I didn't think money was an issue. Um, and I didn't realize my family was heavily supported in our everyday life by relatives and friends and So apparently a family of 10 cannot live off a rural Lutheran pastor's salary. Um, But I didn't know this until one day in junior high I came home to, like, my parents crying and some folks in the house, and I learned that we were declaring bankruptcy. Um, And that we were in a a really tough place as a family. And I, I remember kind of that moment of crying in my living room, and I was like, well, that's where that prayer came from, right? It wasn't that I had some holy detachment from my need for stuff. It was that I actually realized that I'd grown up with a lot of fear and insecurity around money, right? A lot of fights on the side or tension at home. And I realized, for me, it had to do with my sense of security and wellness. And so I'm curious tonight, I don't know what story you come in with or what your relationship with 
is with stuff. But let me say, you actually, whether you know it or not, you have a relationship with money and with your stuff. And it's just a matter of what kind of relationship it is. And this is true, actually, in your relationship with God. Every person on the planet has a relationship with God, even if they don't know it or think they do. It's just a matter of what kind of relationship that is. Okay? And so that's what we're going to press into tonight a little bit. And in this text, you probably heard there's kind of these three key sections with distinct images. All right, so the first image is the treasure one, right? So the treasures that are stored up on earth in heaven. And the second part of the passage has this imagery. It's a little bit more convoluted, but it's like the eye is the lamp of the body, light, dark. Remember that one, the middle image? Okay, and then the last one is about these dual masters, right? There's these two masters. And so I want to start at that first one a little bit. Uh, And when you think about treasure, right, and remember the text says, you know, don't store up the treasures on earth, but store them up in heaven. And if you think about um, culturally the background at this time, you know, the Jewish banking system Don't think of like a modern banking system. Times were different, right? Most of the wealth that people had was either in, there was coin, there was kind of precious metals often fashioned into goods or possessions, and then fine linens and garments, right? That was the wealth of the day. And if you had wealth and you were trying to preserve it for the future, um, you would often actually literally put it in the ground or bury it or put it in a, in a cave or a stone enclosure. And so you, you start to see in the text that this makes more sense, right? So when they say, don't store it up on earth where moths and vermin, some translations say rust, destroy, right? So you can imagine you're burying some fine linens in the ground you're going to have some problems with some critters, right? Or some moisture, okay? So this is just a very practical thing. But Jesus is kind of poking at this idea that, hey, this is, this is kind of ridiculous, actually. Because as you're working so hard to preserve and hold on to that stuff, right, that actually it's not going to last, right? And this is, this is what we know, Right? It's, it's a time factor. They're thinking about the moment, the temporal, and not the eternal. And the reality is, we can't take it with us. My husband's grandma always said, anything gold will go, meaning it, it's going to go away, right? Because you can't take it into eternity, right? So he's kind of poking at that idea of it's kind of futile to hold on to your stuff, to these things that give you a sense of security, because it's not going to last. It's not going to get you where you want to go, and, you know, some people take this text and, and make a case for, like, oh, is this meaningful? Like, we shouldn't have savings accounts or retirement or think about our finances. And I don't think there's a strong case for that argument here because you really see at the end of the text, he says, where your treasure is there, your heart will also be right. So he's actually connecting it more to this idea of where our sense of trust and sense of security lies. You see that? So there's nothing wrong with being smart, being shrewd, and being wise. But if you think that, you know, if you really believe in that idea, that concept, I think it's such a funny phrase, but a financial security, right? you got to check your heart, right? If you think that that is what is going to get you through, right? If our eyes are fixed there instead of on heaven, then we have to check our hearts. Do we trust God to provide for us all the days of our life? Do we trust him? 
And, and that actually moves into this image of the eye as the lamp really smoothly. And, and this, this idea is kind of funky, right? So the eye is the lamp of the body. Um, and, and in Jewish culture, kind of some of the best thinking of this time was that the way the eyes worked, any bio majors, any here, kind of fizz? Okay. So the best thinking of the day was that the eyes actually, like, projected light and illuminated the world, okay? So the eye is the lamp of the body would make sense, right? A lamp illuminates the world. Now, is that how eyes work? No, right? Actually, the light is admitted, right, into the eye, and it helps our, our brain then understands what it's taking in, right? Now, Jesus, of course, is brilliant and the creator of the universe, so he does this amazing thing and holds together the best thinking of the day and the reality of creation and says, yes, the eye is the lamp of the body, right? If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. So he brings both in. The eyes are the lamp, but you're actually can be full of light if the eye is healthy. Pretty cool, right? That's pretty cool. And the, the word here, healthy, actually has a connotation. It really means uh, it, it's a generosity. If your eyes are generous is what the word, the translation actually is getting at. If your eyes are generous, your body's full of light. But if your eyes are stingy, not generous, then you're full of darkness. Now, of all the things Jesus talks about, he talks about money as much as anything, and he is serious when he talks about our relationship with money, and he is particularly serious when he addresses generous versus stingy hearts. And you can see it in the strength of this language, right? That it is how great is the darkness when we live in a way that is not generous. And, you know, I, I think about, I was remembering this time with my family, I, so it, with InterVarsity, we're, we're missionaries, um, we're campus missionaries who function like missionaries sent anywhere else in the world, and we actually raise our full salary and benefits and ministry expenses, right, as missionaries to the college campus. And so as a new missionary, I was raising my support and building my support team. And I remember I, I thought, I'll reach out to my grandparents first. I knew they had money. I knew they had a lot of it. I knew they went to church, and they're my family. So I was like, I'm going to start there, right? So I go and I, I make a vision-filled ask to my grandparents, and, um, and they say, Kathy, well, if we gave to you, we'd have to give to everyone who asked us. And I remember being like, oh, that hurts. You know, I was like, but you're my grandparent, you know. And I realized um, they were trying to have a consistent ethic and, and all of this. Um, and I remember I left that meeting with sadness, and, um, but God was faithful, and, and he provided what I needed. But fast forward, years later, both of my grandparents, those grandparents, they died within a week of one another. And um, they had amassed a, a pretty significant amount of wealth that was shared with family upon their death. And I remember uh, as some of my relatives were spending and giving that money away, I remember being so sad that I was like, my grandparents missed the joy of getting to share that when they were alive. And it was so sad for th what they missed, right? And I love my grandparents, I honor them, but I, I remember, you know, it makes me think of this text, and when we're tight, like when, when we hold to our possessions, whether current that we have or that we anticipate or hope we have in the future, when we have that posture of stinginess, it's kind of like this, right? It's the holding on. 
When you're like this, you can't be like this. They're not compatible. You see that? When you're like this, you can't be like this. You can't be generous. When you're like this. And Jesus wanted them to live full of the light and joy of sharing in the character and nature of a God who is incredibly generous to us, right? And who cares and provides for us. And in the text, he starts driving this home when he says, you can't serve two masters. It's impossible. It's love or hate. It's devotion or despising. You can't serve God. And and the word here is mammon. It doesn't just mean money. It means possessions. Right? You can't serve both. And it's true. You can't serve both. And, and friends, I want to tell you, money is a bad master. Money is a bad master. God is a good master. Money is that thing that will always say, if I just have a little bit more, I'll feel secure. I'll feel safe. All right? I'll get there. If I just had that, if I, you know, and you all are smart men and women. You know this, but you got to do that heart check. Like, is it even subtle in you that maybe there's just a sense of, well, I, I don't need to be rich, but I just want to be secure? You can't serve two masters. We choose when we submit ourselves to a bad master or a generous one. Because likewise, when your hands are like this, kind of holding and protective, your hands are also not like this. can't serve money and the Lord, right? We choose. And he's gracious in the midst of that. And so we have to do the work of that heart check, right? We do that hard work in our internal world. Uh, And I, you know, I was thinking, um, about some possible applications tonight, and I, I just, I'm just going to let you in. Uh, one of my pet peeves, don't feel judged, I'm, I'm owning this with you, I've said this before, but one of my pet peeves, the things I sometimes hear um, on campuses is, I'm just a poor college student, right? Guilty, we said that, I know, I know. I'm just a poor college student, and I know what you're saying, you're saying I don't have a lot of disposable income, I do not deny that. Some of you might well come from a background of poverty, Um, But I think what kind of rubs me about that is, is, you know, if you're even getting an education, right, y'all know, like, you're in the top, like, 5 to 10% of the world's wealthy, right? And and we know that, but sometimes we forget, and and the truth is it's more, it's that right view of ourself. You know, we don't intend to dishonor those who are really living an impoverished life, right? We don't intend that, but there's something about, like, our instinct, to feel the lack of what we have. And I think the Lord invites us to actually say, hey, I'm really generous to you. And rightly see all that you have and generously share it with others. Amen? Yeah. So I wonder, in a second, I'm going to have us kind of walk through a a reflection process um, and think about kind of the state of our own hearts. But... um, Yeah, I think I have a couple challenges for you. So I'm going to have the worship team come on up. And uh, as they're coming up and getting set, before we do the reflection piece, I want to challenge you to think about what's a way that you could be 
um, profoundly generous right now. So with whatever you have, right? Whether you are you know, earning minimum wage in your work-study job, you're living off kind of a little bit of help from mom and dad here and there. I, I don't know what it is, but I want you to think about maybe what's a way you could be particularly generous in the next week or two. So, you know, sometimes when we think about um, the, the eye, the healthy eye, the generous eye, we, we are like, well, I'm kind of okay with giving away that thing that I don't really like anymore or doesn't, it's kind of worn out. You know what I'm talking about? But I wonder if you imagine yourself um, thinking about some of your prized possessions or something that you like your favorite sweater or your favorite album or your, you know, something that has meaning for you. Now imagine giving that away and think, you feel that a little bit more? Just a little bit, right? So I, I just wonder if there is some way that God might lead you into a more kind of radical, generous experience. And I want you to, as you think about my, what that might be, even paying attention to like what happens in your heart, right? Where is your heart? And so I, I want you guys to take a minute and you know go with me. I want you to close your eyes for a second. I think sometimes that helps us to focus and kind of drown out some of those other distractions. And I want you to just, for a minute, I want you to just kind of zoom in and I want you to pay attention to where your heart is tonight. And God, I want you to just even shine a light and illuminate the reality of where we are in our hearts as it relates to our things, to money, to possessions. God, would you even, right now as we're thinking, would you show us, are, are we connected and overly relying to the, on those things for a sense of our security and well-being? Are we trusting in the job we're going to get someday that's going to make us feel secure and settled? Or are we trusting in you, Jesus? we trust you enough to say, I don't have to hold on, but I can have open, generous hands to others, and I can have hands raised and open to you, Lord Jesus. Hmm. So friends, what do you see as you're just looking inside your own heart? see clenched hands or open? Do you see a, a protective instinct or an abandon to God and trust in him? What do you see in your hearts? Jesus, as, as we just face the reality of our own innermost beings, we pray that you would teach us to be devoted to you, to have love for you, to trust you. God, would you give us healthy eyes, God, that are generous, that are a light to others, 
and that bring a light to our own souls, God. Teach us your ways and lead us into just a fierce generosity that the world might know you are a generous and trustworthy God. We pray all this in your name, Jesus.